0: Shapeshifters on The Money Show. tonight. Shapeshifter has managed the city of Johannesburg. He's worked for First Rand. He spent some time in central government in the presidency developing a performance matrix for government departments. Today, he's chief executive of cement maker PPC. His name is Ketso Gordon. He's in The Money Show studio this evening. Nice to see you, Ketso. I'm very pleased to be here. Did I get the order right, Kind of the, the kind of the running order Absolutely right? Absolutely. Right. So the job before PPC was in the presidency setting up performance matrices for, right. uh, right. for for government. Before that, of course, um, at First Rand, where you ran the private equity business for First Rand. Um, why the chopping and changing in and out of public service and into the private sector? Do you sort of need to top up the bank balance, go back to government, do some duty, back to the private sector a bit?
1: No, I think the preference would have been to remain in the public sector. I think uh, towards the end of the the 1990s, it was quite difficult to get a senior position uh, for me in government uh, or in a parastatal. I think the affirmative action drive was probably in full swing then, and I did. You notice my
0: eyebrows going up. I noticed, <laughs> I noticed.
1: I did try to get a couple of the sort of jobs that would have suited somebody with my background and skill set, but it didn't work out. So it was not a bad deviation. I learned a whole new uh, set of skills uh, working in private equity. And as you correctly pointed out, sorted out the bank balance.
0: Yeah, There we go. And um, when, when when you go back, you, where did you grow up?
1: Uh, born and grew up in, in Durban mm-hmm. and came to Johannesburg uh, when the ANC was unbanned and uh, worked in the Department of Economic Planning of the ANC.
0: So at the same time as Maria Ramos was there, that at, sort of period? Yes. Okay, so you
1: worked Tre- Trevor with you. was my boss. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. So um, and and so in those early days, then early 1990s, the ANC's unbanned, lots of uh, topsy turvy, lots of turbulence in there. And um, what's your first job then post 1994?
1: Post 1994, I went straight into government, like okay. many other good ANC people did, and I was Director General of Transport. I'd forgotten about for, that. Right. For Mac Maharaj, who was then the minister.
0: What's your take on E tolls?
1: You know, I'm I'm a big fan of of tolling uh, as an alternative to not having roads, but I think first prize would have always been, uh, back in the 90s, to set up a fuel levy, dedicate a amount of money for roads, and create a agency that distributed that money. Because, you know, we are used to paying for water, we are used to paying for electricity. And the only mechanism for a user charge for driving is if you drive 100,000 kilometers and I drive 10,000, There should be a difference. Yes. And if it's in the amount of fuel you use, uh, obviously you're incentivized to have an efficient car, but you are going to use more fuel and therefore pay more for the roads because you've used them more. So there are many countries in the world, and we learned this from New Zealand back back in the 90s, that the ideal mechanism for funding roads at a national, provincial and local level... Is in fact the fuel levy?
0: But you so say we, it would have been ideal to introduce a a fuel levy in the nineteen nineties. Um, sitting in twenty fourteen, is it too late?
1: I don't think it's too late. It, you know, it's never too late for a good idea. It's it's the most rational thing. Most South Africans
0: will agree with it. Do you think Sandrail's on a hiding to nothing with, with the gantries? I think it seems to be chaotic.
1: I think it's unfortunate because Sandrail, in my view, has been one of the most successful infrastructure deliverers in South Africa. It's been remarkable. It's, it's been remarkable. It's
0: built glorious roads. You go to any part of the country, yeah. you drive on a national road. Many of those roads you drive on for absolutely nothing because it's been part of government's budget to send out to build those roads. It's done a very good job at building roads. But it's miscalculated in its collection mechanisms.
1: It has. It has. And I think the mistake was made uh, as a default to not having a fuel levy. If you ask mm-hmm. Nazir Ali, who's a dear friend of mine, If you asked him, you know, he would support a fuel levy as a mechanism for funding roads that can't finance themselves. Why is government government so
0: hell-bent then on pursuing this? I mean, you've been inside the beast, um, (laughs) the belly of the beast within the transport department. What is the obsession with with tolling?
1: I think think you notice in a lot of your discussions with other people, government is not a flexible organization. And secondly, it doesn't like uh, to be told what to do. So it's a very, you know, it's it's going to decide what's best for the country. They have a mandate from the electorate. And unfortunately, that is, you know, it's very unfortunate that that sometimes leads Mm -hmm. to pretty bad decisions for the country.
0: Um, So out of the Department of Transport, then to the city of Johannesburg? Yes. Okay. And that's, I mean, I remember those, the late 90s in the city of Johannesburg. It was an exciting time. The city seemed to be working quite well.
1: In fact, I was brought in uh, at the time when the city was technically bankrupt. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had to do a sort of turnaround and merge it into a metro all at the same time. So clearly a very exciting time for the city. And we established, I think, a fairly strong basis on which to manage the city uh, going forward. But the typical problem you will find across government is the institutional structure might be the right one. So you'll have a constitutional court, you'll have ESCOM, you'll have the SABC. And all of those are the correct institutions. We just don't have the right people managing Mm -hmm. them. So... You know, if you ask me, what's the one line to, solution to getting government to work better? It's going to be, you know, appoint competent people at the board level, firstly, and then secondly, appoint very competent management who are incentivized on a performance basis.
0: Why do we keep getting it so wrong?
1: You know, I think, I think the sort of the cliched response to that is is the, the ANC wants to appoint people that are loyal to the ANC. So the cadre deployment strategy has not worked for South Africa.
0: Are, I mean, some people listening to this will be nodding their heads and some will be clapping and some yep. will be cheering and hooting their cars and saying it's a Gordon is speaking sense. Some people will be saying, oh, this is a guy who's not in favor with the ANC and who's not critical of the ANC because he's outside of the party and he didn't get those nice jobs in the late 90s that he wanted. And therefore, he's bitter and twisted about uh, being uh, being let down by the party that he served so loyally um, through the 80s and 90s.
1: No, and and I served the ANC government uh, most recently a couple of years ago when uh, President Zuma was was elected, uh, as you know, as as happily as anybody else, and I I did all of these jobs as a South African first, wanting to make our country a better place, you know, and clearly the ANC was the the party of choice, and if you wanted to make a difference, that was the best, most effective you know position to be in.
0: Uh, the time at First Rand so then out of the city of Johannesburg I remember that appointment quite well um, probably 2000 or 2001 that's right 2000 um, you, you get then approached Mac Maharaj at the time was a non-executive director uh, at First Rand I remember that well as well um, was he your conduit into First Rand or did you get a call from Laurie DeBernardo that you couldn't refuse
1: no I, I, I knew the First Rand people quite well I had worked quite closely with RMB as a financier because of course RMB in the city
0: of Johannesburg there would have been lots of work yes, there yes so I,
1: I knew wendy lucas bull quite well i knew paul harris i knew Laurie dipenard and in fact the call came from gt ferrera
0: okay because he was the chairman at the he time was, of course he was, yes. uh, and and you spent 10 years there
1: yes i mean the private equity is a sort sure. of long long-term yeah. game you know it takes a long time before you invest a portfolio and exit uh, you know exit it and i was having lots of fun doing that stuff and learning a whole new set of skills
0: uh, but and, the time you know the and, time obviously
1: yeah. came when you say uh, i can do more of this or i can do something very different And I left uh, just in time for a job in the presidency, which was uh, one of the most meaningful things I've done.
0: Now, take me through that, because you set up these performance yep. measures, um, and that was the, the the task that Trevor Manuel was set, and I remember in the early days, becoming minister in the presidency, was to do precisely that, and that was to say, let us be able to measure the success of government departments. So, have you set up the systems? Is, is, are the systems working? Are the systems functioning? Are we able to measure the efficiency of, of I think I think we are
1: able to measure in the most important areas. You know, so... My favorite story is to talk about education. We spent quite a lot of time defining what the objectives and the measured performance targets were going to be in education. You know that there's an obsession with the metric pass rate, but the metric pass rate is not a reflection of of much uh, because a million kids start school, only about 500,000 in round numbers write the metric and about 70% yeah. of them pass, which is really a 30% of the people who started. Correct. And the key indicator for education success anywhere in the world is can your 10-year-old in grade 3 read, write, and count? And our pass rate at grade 3 is still 30%. Mm. And so the main measure we put in place was to say improve the grade 3 pass rate and test in grade 6 and grade 9 to see that you know the the good work is being pushed pushed through to... To the high school level, and clearly, you know, you know, when, whenever we talk about metric exams, I say let's talk about grade three because that's the one that matters uh, internationally. Uh, if we're going to make grade three, your chances of success in life are reasonably good.
0: It's those building blocks. Uh, uh, so it creates uh, the level. From there, you can diversify. You could do practically anything once you've got that basic skill set. Yeah, I m-
1: mean, many of pe- many of the people in my generation, you know, we passed high school because we could read,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not because we had great teachers. You know, so once you can read and you have a critical mind and you can examine a textbook and debate it with a friend, you know, you can you can pass my trick. And the difficulty we have is that our kids get to that level without being able to read, right. write, count effectively.
0: Who is applying the systems that you put in place then at the level of the presidency to make sure that, you know, we, we get in a, a more effectively run state?
1: So Minister Collins Chabane has been given the job for monitoring and evaluation. And they put out a regular report on w- which of those targets have been met and not met. So you can look at the presidency website and you get a pretty good idea of which ministers have successfully achieved their targets.
0: Is so, there a know, court, overall? overall,
1: yeah. I think the answer is going to be, you know, there's probably about a 15 to 20% success rate. We were meant to have transformed 400,000 informal settlements into more formal housing. You know, yeah. we have not achieved that target. Uh, we were meant to reduce uh, mother-to-child transmission of AIDS, which has been done. You know, we have a, we have a great minister, very focused and is able to prioritize uh, his work and
0: get stuff done. Who, who sets the standards? The president. The, pre- the president, the yeah. presidency sets the standards. Yeah. Um, and those standards have to be met. What is the consequence of not meeting those standards?
1: There isn't any. And I and think that's, that's, that's the, the, the difficulty. That's mm. the difficulty.
0: So you we've know, got the measurements. We know who's doing well. We know who's doing badly. But provided you're loyal... You keep your job.
1: Yes, pretty much.
0: <laughs> so does it not make you feel as if you have wasted the last couple of years of your life?
1: No, not really, because I think it's good to have those measures so that we can, as the public, assess where the mm. government is doing its job. So even, even though the people remain in their jobs and there are not much you know, harsh consequences for, for not achieving your targets, at least we know as South Africans what's going on in our country.
0: Uh, I, I saw the Gauteng Police Commissioner today, some astonishing statistics about the number of service delivery protests that we've seen just in Gauteng, um over over the last three months. Nearly 600 protests uh, in the Gauteng, of which 122 have gone violent. It's uh, 569 protests over the last three months. 122 have turned violent. Um, and the Gauteng Police Commissioner, Lissetia uh, Mutiba, basically saying you know, police are stretched. They, they're dealing with a political problem, and that political problem is a lack of service delivery people on the ground aren't stupid they don't need performance assessments um, at, at a government level to tell them that they're not getting what what they should be getting
1: you know and it's a problem we've been aware of since the anc came yeah. into power in 94 that local government is where primary services are delivered water electricity you know sanitation waste control all the basic services are provided there and if you look at the pecking order for where the senior politicians want to be it's typically at national if you can't make it at national you go to local and only if you can't make it i mean at provincial and only if you can't make it at provincial do you go to local we should be turning this on its head one of the things i did was went from being a national director general to being a city manager yeah and in that was a message which said that's the level of government that matters the most you know and we need to put our most competent people there so that we can begin to deliver
0: how did you get the job at PPC? Uh, also, yeah. I mean, with this, you've you've been everywhere, and you've worked in so many different jobs. And PPC is, in so many ways, a natural fit for you. But how did it happen?
1: Uh, they were looking for a new CEO. Headhunter called me. I I took a you know serious interest in the job mainly because PPC faces the challenge of growing its business outside of South Africa. Mm. You know, we're we're a significant player in South Africa. This market's not going to grow much over the next uh, sort of period. We have a new entrant. You know, so things will, will sort of go on, go on at a sort of 2 or 3% growth rate yeah. in South Africa. But the opportunities are really outside of South Africa. And what we've done in the last year since I've been there is commit to uh, four projects. Three of these are already being built in Rwanda, Ethiopia, and the DRC. The fourth, which is uh, in Zimbabwe, will start sometime this year. And we hope to do at least one or two more uh, projects somewhere in, in
0: the continent. How big are these projects relative to what you have in South Africa?
1: If we complete those five projects, we would have doubled the size of PPC.
0: My word! Yeah, it's significant. Yes, I went past your factory this morning down the end and just sort of just was struck by this, this enormous factory on the on the on the N three going down towards Durban and just you know, the huge business of PPC in South Africa.
1: It's a huge business and it's very very capital intensive. Mm. You know, so you're going to put in two and a half to three billion rands in building a plant. You only have about two hundred and fifty to three hundred people working there. Uh, so you know it's all it's all in the equipment. So the expansion program is clearly uh, a big investment uh, bet that PPC is taking. But the rest of the continent is growing at on a- average five and a half percent. You know, so if South Africa was growing anywhere the- near those rates, the average will be dramatically higher. We are one third of the continent's uh, GDP. So if we were anywhere near four or five percent, the average will be like six and a half percent which would be you know, great for the
0: continent. My guest this evening is Ketso Gordon, chief executive of PPC. You uh, came onto the Money Show probably seven or eight months ago and you said, I want an infrastructure codessa. And we went, we, we were apoplectic with excitement. So we started phoning construction company chief executives the next day saying, come on, are you in? And they just, none of them would talk to us because they were frightened of being called colluders. Um, and it seems to have died a death, but we've subsequently spoken and you said you're moving um, in the background. How are things going on an in infrastructure codessa?
1: I think the willingness uh, in the private sector to engage with government around speeding up infrastructure delivery is very, very clear. There are many initiatives. I mean, the the BLSA, the Business Leadership South Africa, have created a working group that's interacting with government. I met the other day with the the engineering uh, professionals. They've got a very large get-together on the 6th to the 8th of April called Civilution, the Civil Revolution. Nice. And they are equally excited about bringing people together Interaction with government uh, officials is also very positive. So clearly everybody needs a, a new way in which uh, infrastructure can be delivered. I think it's it's very difficult to get these big decisions made. But the willingness is definitely there. We are continuing our interaction. And I think that over the next two to three months, a number of ideas are going to be crystallized. We will then take a pause for the elections. And once the new administration is in, uh, I'm quite optimistic That at least in some of the areas we will begin to see uh, better cooperation because once we overcome the trust issue between government and the private sector, mm. I think the ability to get stuff done is, is definitely going to
0: improve. That trust issue is so interesting, isn't it? Because you've got the private sector that accuses government of being corrupt. You've got uh, government which has proven huge levels of corruption within the private sector. Um, and n- neither has covered themselves in glory. Um, we've seen some fantastic delivery of infrastructure projects. 2010 was, is 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 globally a great example of what a developing market can do in terms of getting uh, a global event. off off the ground, Um, but there was a consequence to that, and that's unfortunately tarnished possibly this process.
1: It has, and I think what we've got to do is make a fresh start. So the example we've been sort of peddling around uh, as a way of building consensus is saying we need somewhere between sort of 500 and 1,000 new schools. Let's get together, design them in a single process so that we get the optimal design for a school, put it out to tender, and then open the tenders in front of everybody. So that we agree, what is the price? What is the price of a 22 classroom school, you know? And then basically allocate the work to the people who have the capacity, at a, with an agreed design and an agreed price. That you know, that's that's the state colluding with the private sector to get get what's best for ordinary people. There are 34 municipalities in South Africa today that don't have an adequate level of sanitation. So yeah. basically, we need to build new sewage treatment plants if each each of those municipalities tries to do it on their own you know i think you and i can both guess what will happen oh completely so let's let's put a little team of experts let's design the best ones procure the equipment from a single supplier or maybe two suppliers at the right price and get them done i think i think the ability of south africans to do these things is certainly there what it needs is a bit of leadership and a bit of coming together and i think that you know, I'm optimistic that something will, will happen.
0: We don't have a choice but to do it. And and you put it so simply that it sounds too easy to be true. Yeah. But it is that simple.
1: It is that simple. And I think, you know, if you look at the recent uh, World Bank report saying that infrastructure is causing
0: mm.
1: a uh, we, we just constraint. had the chief, the chief exactly.
0: economist on a moment ago, yeah.
1: And, you know, the answer to that question is is not, can we get Transnet to do more? Can we get the port authority to do more? The answer is really, what is the best answer? Let government give the right of way. The private sector will mobilize the capital, the operator, the the funding, and get it done. So I think it's really just about opening up that conversation. We've got to use all the resources that are available to us as South Africa and not rely on the public sector to do all of these things.
0: Can we get over the hurdles, though, the hurdles of ego, the hurdles of process, the hurdles of trust, quickly enough in order to get this process underway?
1: You know, the more I hear the Minister of Finance and others talk about the need to partner with the private yeah. sector, the message is there. The substance isn't. So I think we need one or two small examples where these things actually work and rebuild that trust. I don't think we're going to do it on a major railway project. I don't think we're going to do it on a major port project. But we might be able to do it with schools, with housing, with sanitation, uh, with dams. So let's start with the smaller stuff and build it. But It is the
0: only answer we have, uh, you know, as a country moving forward. Tonight, Shapeshifter, now you know why Ketso Gordon, the chief executive of PPC.